Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening and making commitments to your learning. We hope that you are doing well. We are your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, and I am joined by the amazing Jordan Porter. Hello, hello. <laughs> Still Plus, puppy uh, sounds in the background. I was going to say 13 dogs in the background. <laughs> yep. No big deal. My house smells like a barn or, or a kennel. I mean, like, it could smell worse, I guess. Like, my work smelled worse. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, so this week, uh, we, what we are, we just finished the mental health series and we're going to go into some respiratory diseases. We are doing, we're going to, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a throwback to the basics episode for, for this, just to remind everyone about anatomy and physiology, because I think that will really help when we dive into this. So we are going to kind of replay episode 28 for you guys, which was respiratory, the intro to upper, uh, upper and lower respiratory. And I think we recorded this, it was April of last year. So about a year ago. And it's funny because it's very much relevant still. Um, but we wanted to go over the basics again, just because the series of respiratory, we just want to make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, do we have any shout outs or anything from last week? Yes. We got a wonderful review and then I'm pretty sure I got an email too, right? Did you? Well, I have the review. So, uh, this is, uh, a review on Apple podcasts and, um, I don't know who it is, but it's, um, Azura Blaze Server Moon Guard Guild Hammer of Gold. I don't know. I don't know who you are, but that's an amazing name. <laughs> um, but anyways, it says fabulous show. As a second semester vet tech student, this show is beyond informative and the hosts are fantastic to listen to. I'm always sad when I have to stop listening. This is a great show that I can't wait to share with others. And um, thank you. Thank you no. for that review. Um, definitely let us know who you are so we can send you one of our podcast stickers. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about with that, we have uh, stickers that are from the podcast. And anybody who does a review and gets us their information, we will send it to you. So literally free sticker sent to you. I've got some that need to get, they need, they need homes. They're homeless. They need to be claimed by someone. Who doesn't love stickers anyway? <laughs> right. Put them on our notebooks. I know. I I have them. I have a couple of them around my office at the moment. So. Me too. <laughs> How's your week going though? We got to give a weekly update. We haven't done, I think last week because we did a. Yeah. I, rewind. It's, it's going. It, I've, I feel like. You're busy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Well, uh, I, well, I will start with my fun update. So yes. I'm very excited because this weekend, 
my air conditioning and my heating got installed in the, the she shack. So this is officially the uh, internal medicine for vet techs West coast office now. And it's so comfy. Like I got home and it's 98 degrees outside. I opened the door and it was very hot in here and I just turned on the air conditioner and it is very nice in here. It's very comfortable. I, I don't even think you can hear the air conditioner. It's very quiet. No, I can't hear. Yeah. It's on right now. Like your, your office seems a lot nicer than my office right now. <laughs> well, I also don't have 12 puppies in my office. So, um, Yvonne, so much. I, yeah, I dude, I can't, I can't even imagine. I have like two cats and they poop too much. Like they you, poop you so have much. 12 puppies and a mom dog. Yeah. But mom dog goes outside. Like I'll give yeah. her that. But the puppies, I'm just like, I love that <laughs> I'm feeding you canned food and you guys are getting big and strong and playing. And like <laughs> now they bark at us when we get home and like, they know the sound of the blender when I make their gruel. They're like, so yes. like yeah, they'll start like screaming at the top of the stairs, but not really at the top of the stairs, like in their, in my office, so they'll start screaming for the food, the gruel oh that I make. God. And I'm just like, you guys are so cute, but stop pooping everywhere. Oh my God. I know potty training will be amazing. Cause they like to poop up on things. Like they like to put their buttholes <laughs> on like the wall. Oh my God. This is my life right now. Uh, you're going to have to like redo your entire office after this. I know I deep cleaned it on Friday. So oh. like three days ago and like, you can't even tell right now. Oh my God. Anyway, continue. What are the projects you're working on? I'm in the middle of doing my VSPN course right now. It's it's all of May. Um, and it's, and on it's, respiratory. On, it's on respiratory. So at least <laughs> consistency. At least I can, you know, do t- like one set of research instead of three, four, ten different things. So right. yeah, so I'm I'm doing that. Um, in fact, I need to jump off the computer in a minute. So I can jump over there and <laughs> we're going to talk about, uh, what are we doing today? We're doing anatomy and physiology for lower res- respiratory. And then just going over some just common diseases that are lower respiratory. So if anybody from the podcast has listened to Yvonne on VSPN, definitely hit us up and let <laughs> us know. Cause we're curious as to like who who's listening to her. I know. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry that I've been too busy to listen to you. Oh God, it's okay. It's totally fine. Well, and it's a course. So like it, you yeah. have to like sign up for this one. This one wasn't, oh, nice. um, it's not just like a lecture rounds. Yeah. yeah. It's actually cool. a, a, C, a full CE course, which is kind of nice. It's it, it, it was challenging in, I was bad about timekeeping. <laughs> like I, uh, definitely fell behind on a bunch of stuff. I think Jordan and I have talked about that. And, uh, mm-hmm. so time management has been my issue, but, but I feel like I'm finally kind of getting back on course. And it's part of the reason why I feel really tired right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, okay, get back to like normal, please. I know. I know. I'm almost caught up because ACVM starts next month. Right. Yeah. And I have two lectures for ACVM. So I got to record those. I finished my PowerPoints and stuff like that. So nice. if anybody's going to going virtually going to ACVAM, check out my lectures. Um, cause I have two of them and they're on demand. Yeah. And we'll, we'll also be doing the, um, if you are a VTS, uh, in, in the internal medicine Academy, 
um, any of the subspecialties, obviously we're going to have our general membership meeting. So definitely mm -hmm. come to that. And then, um, if you're thinking about getting your VTS, so I'm just going to say, you know, everybody listening to this podcast, right. You're obviously listening to an educational podcast, so you should be part of this. Um, we're doing a Q and a on, I think it's the Saturday of the forum. Cause there'll be some live stuff during the week mm -hmm. of forum and Saturday, the Q and a, I believe will be one of the live sessions. Yeah. And the um, Q and a is always so helpful. Like if you're writing your case logs or case reports yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have had realized that that was available when I was doing mine, but I don't know. It may have made me a, a little bit more neurotic, but I think it, I, you know what though, it helped the, it helped me because I, I went to two of them. Yeah before I actually submitted my, I think it was like the year before and then the year of my application. That's nice. And so like, you know, it, it was June. So I'm halfway through yeah. doing stuff. So it was kind of a nice, like, oh, right. Okay. This is some of the stuff they're going to look for. This is what they're looking for. Yeah. So I think it definitely, I think it definitely can help because, you know, for sure it's hard when you're trying to figure out what are they looking for? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. Um, well, having that Q and A is pretty nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So I got my two lectures and then I have another lecture, um, which I should find the link and share it on our Facebook page because I don't actually know, but I'm lecturing for mash next Wednesday, the 19th. Nice. Um, and that's going to be like a live. What thing. is mash? Oh, it's the Metropolitan Animal Specialty Hospital in LA. So oh. they do like, they put on CE every month. And so I'm doing CE for them. Oh, that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's race approved. So it's cool. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll, I'll see if I can find the link and share it. But other than that, yes, we've been very, very busy lately. Both of us, despite, <laughs> you know, cause we like to take on projects. It's what we do. Well, <laughs> to be fair, um, ACBIM and VSPN and some of these other ones and the book, like these are all things we committed to before, before COVID happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause ACBIM <laughs> was supposed to lecture last year. Yeah. So when which we means we had plenty of things. There was doesn't really make time. it, that doesn't really make it sound any better. We've had plenty of time to be prepared for it. Yeah. But it's been so crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm going to say no. <laughs> anyway, guys, enjoy this flashback to the basics of respiratory before we dive into full respiratory diseases next week um, oh. and, and come back at you with full, full blown education. <laughs> yeah. And I think next week we are doing laryngeal paralysis. Um, Larpa, I had a chocolate lab in today. I, I know I had a, I had like, a please stop today that I was, I, was like, like, <laughs> I was like, do you have Larpa? Yeah. Um, he was in for aspirates today and I was like, please stop. Let's get these done before anything happens. Oh my God, <laughs> seriously. He started trying to bark and I was like, time to go. Like, <laughs> We're like, done, right? <laughs> like, get out. <laughs> oh, respiratory stuff, man. It can be yeah. stressful. Yeah. Anyway. All right, guys. Well, enjoy this uh, throwback and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Um, Here we go. Yeah. Ta-da. So, um, so this week we are starting our respiratory system series. So the next six weeks we'll be talking about stuff in the respiratory. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned it last week. Part of it is yes, 
<laughs> I feel like respiratory is very much on the forefront of our minds, but respiratory disease is, is a hundred percent, um, internal medicine related. Um, we deal with it quite a bit, especially at this time of the year where we're spring, early summer. I feel like a lot of respiratory patients, um, come into our clinics, both for, um, consults as well as, you know, kind of our chronic patients that flare up this time of the year, kind of like the same with people. So, um, we figured mm -hmm. this would be a good time to, to dive into the respiratory system. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So this, who doesn't love how lungs work. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this week we're going to kind of go over basics. We're not going to necessarily touch on specific diseases this week. We're going to break those up, um, in the following five weeks, uh, or five episodes, um, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about basics and break it down, talk about, um, things more in general. So, all right. Uh, ready to dive in? Yes. All right. Let's, let's do, do it. This. <laughs> all right. So the first thing that, um, I kind of wanted to touch on this week because I feel like, uh, it's always good to have references. Uh, there's a few references that I used for this episode, putting it together. Um, we had on the internal medicine for pet parents page. So internal medicine for pet parents.com slash respiratory. Um, there's kind of a start to the page. This gives us some of the basics as well as, uh, there is a YouTube video, which I thought was really cool that talks about like how the respiratory system works. We also, um, if you haven't checked out the Merck veterinary manual, online. It's awesome. It's such a great resource. They have a whole respiratory system, um, section. So it's, uh, MerckVetManual.com slash respiratory dash system. Um, or you could just Google it Merck veterinary and Merck is M E R C K because <laughs> I always want to spell it M E R K, but it's not that. Um, and then also there's a, a good, um, VIN article that we'll link to as well that talks about heart and lung sounds because knowing how to auscultate and what to look for um, is, is an important part of this. Uh, so those are kind of our, our big resources um, as well as our clinical and anatomy veterinary technician textbook. <laughs> I think Jordan and I refer to that quite a bit, especially mm -hmm. for our basics episodes. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Things, so the first part is, you know, how does, what the heck is the respiratory system? So uh, the biggest thing to remember is the respiratory system helps bring oxygen in to the body for the cells to use and gets rid of the waste product, which is carbon dioxide, right? Um, so it, it it brings in the oxygen to the lungs and then the blood carries the oxygen to the cells and that's part of metabolism. We, in order to be able to do that, we have to be able to somehow move air from the outside of the body into our lungs, whether that's room air or, um, you know, when we're hooked up to an anesthetic machine or a ventilator, the oxygen that comes in, we need to somehow be able to move that. So 
to do that, right, we need to think of pressures. Um, and so remember if you, if you already took this class in school or if you're going through it now, what we need to do is the brain is part of this. It registers that we need oxygen in the body. So the muscles in the chest or the thorax, they get stimulated. And so what they do is they expand the rib cage and then the diaphragm, which is that huge muscle that separates the chest cavity from abdominal cavity, that contracts as well and helps to increase the space in the chest. So what happens is when we increase the space, that creates a vacuum or a negative pressure in the chest. And then air rushes through the nose or the mouth, down the trachea, into the lungs through the bronchus, then to the bronchioles, and then all the way down to the very smallest parts, which are the alveoli. So I like to think of once you kind of get into the lungs, right? So when we're talking about trachea, bronchus, bronchi, that kind of stuff, um, I think of it as, as a tree. Like I think of it as an upside down tree. And so it starts out big, the tree trunk, and then gets into smaller. So the only place where we have oxygen exchange is going to be down at that alveoli. And the reason for that is down at the alveoli, it's literally just one cell layer thick. And that allows the oxygen or the room air that's brought into the lungs, right? It allows the oxygen to cross that cellular membrane and then the capillaries are right there. So the red blood cells, you know, they drop off carbon dioxide and then pick up oxygen. And so we want it just to be that one cell layer thick so that that happens easily and quickly and efficiently. And then it goes to the body. Now the opposite, when we exhale, right, the chest and the diaphragm, the muscles relax, and then that pushes the air that's kind of loaded with carbon dioxide, it pushes that out of the lungs in this, in kind of the reverse order. So alveoli, bronchioles, bronchus, lungs, trachea, mouth or nose. So again, comes in because we, our muscles are activated and then once it relaxes, it pushes out. So it's, it's like, if you think of it as like bellows, that's kind of the best way to, to think of that. I mean, it, it's hard because it's simple and, and we don't think about it, but then it's complicated because of kind of all the cool stuff that the body does, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're nerds and we like to get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's the basics. Now the respiratory system is broken up into two parts, right? So we have our upper respiratory and our lower respiratory and the break off point of where that is, is at the larynx. So basically the trachea is lower respiratory and then the larynx and above is all upper respiratory. Um, and it's very important when we talk about infections, diseases and stuff like that is knowing whether it's upper respiratory or lower respiratory. Yeah. yeah. 
I think it's like mis it's a misconception, I too, thinking that the trachea is part of the lower airway. If you were to just think about it, not really mm. know, like you could easily think that the trachea would be probably part of the upper respiratory. And then once you get to that, mm. the bra. Yeah. I can understand. Yeah. I, I think it, I think people just kind of go, where does it, where does it change? And I think of it is like the flaps, right? (laughs) There's a valve. (laughs) Our larynx are the valve that protects the upper from the lower. Um, and the door (laughs) to the the door, door to the lower down to the basement. Right. Um, because we don't, I mean, up until kind of trachea, you know, if, if gross stuff gets in there, whether that's food, (laughs) um, water, all that stuff, it's fine. It's not gonna, food and water doesn't cause an infection really in your upper respiratory area. Unless, you know, you get food stuck (laughs) somewhere. Yeah. Which I have seen done in animals because it's usually dogs. Cats it's usually dogs. a yellow lab. Man, we give, <laughs> we give yellow labs a lot of black. I was going to say, I actually, well, we, we'll talk about this in the foreign body episode. Um, but I had a cute little Frenchie puppy one time. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Oh. But it had food stuck. <laughs> but yeah, as yeah. long as things don't get stuck in somewhere, you know, if food goes in there, it's not a big deal. Versus if you've accidentally inhaled any food of any sort, and no matter how big or small it is, into your trachea, <laughs> if you've ever accidentally done that, you know that that is a bad thing. <laughs> so it um, hurts. <laughs> yeah, it does not like like I did that one time eating a hamburger, and I was like, I just gave myself aspiration pneumonia. Like it, it just it hurt for about a week. It was really stupid. Yeah. And it wasn't much. It was like teeny tiny amount. No, it's like when you like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure like I accidentally inhaled like a piece of ice cube. Like, and I'm like, ah, like it's cold and it hurts. This this makes me just want to cough. Then it goes away. Now I'm like, ugh, my chest. You're not allowed to cough right now. I'm not. This is one of the signs. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We're gonna try our very best to not reference. The elephant in the room 50 million times during this series so yeah try keyword try so anyway um, the nares <laughs> i like that word <laughs> it doesn't get used a lot it's very everybody just calls them nostrils yeah like, but i think it's it's well it's because it is more the clinical term the nares instead of just nostrils, yeah. which it's not that big of a difference. So I don't know why we had to name it nostrils. Like it's your nares. I'm sure humans probably coined the term nostrils first. And then, cause in human medicine, do they call it? I mean, I guess it's still called the nares, but they call it nostrils most often. I think, I don't know. Getting off topic here. Anyway, the nares are the outside part of the nose known <laughs> as the nostrils. If you didn't get that. <laughs> it's the part you flare. Um, yeah. When you think too hard or when you're, when you're mad at your husband for saying something and you just nostril flare at him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think I've ever done that. (laughs) No, never. Um, and then that leads to your nasal cavity, which includes your turbinates, which are the intricate structures within the nose that help clean and also warm the air entering the body. Um, also a common place 
for foreign bodies, such as foxtails, which is a California, well, West Coast thing. We don't have foxtails here. Um, that blows my mind, by the way. The first time I had a doctor work with me that had no clue what a foxtail was, I thought she was crazy. Yeah, never come across a foxtail. I, wow. This is, I hate foxtails. They're evil. I, I will post a picture because some of you have no idea what we're talking about. Yep. Foxtails are evil. <laughs> they can go I mean, wherever the, they want. <laughs> the stories that I've heard, it definitely sounds like something. I've seen grass stuck in the nose. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there's um, I don't, grass ons, A-W-N, and it's like the, there's the spirally ones. Do you guys have sure. the spirally seed looking things? No. There's all sorts of crazy grass that goes up noses. It's honestly very rare for us to see a nasal foreign body. Really? Yeah. Like we don't ever see them. Oh my God. I've seen so many of them. It's ridiculous. I think I've seen one and it was a blade of grass and a cat. Huh. I've seen one blade of grass and a cat. (laughs) This is all because (laughs) I've also seen there. So yeah. But if um, the other cool, so the turbinates are really interesting if mm-hmm. you've ever done a rhino, um, so rhinoscopy, you'll, you see them really up close and I just find them super fascinating because they are super fascinating. It's like that cool landscape of like canyons yeah. and stuff that you see, unless there's like something nasty up there that's eaten it all away. And then you're like, this isn't supposed to be this empty. <laughs> right. <You're> like, oh, <laughs> it's a big cavern. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but turbinates can also be a pain in the butt if you're trying to place uh-huh. a um, feeding tube. Because mm-hmm. you keep or even hitting just a up nasal against the form. of any. Yeah, yeah. Because we do sometimes. Yeah. Do you do oxygen nasal cannulas sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I like those ones that just sit right at the nares too. Like if oh you have yeah, a big the, dog like who's... the people one where it's just like yeah, yeah, and then they have the two tubes on both sides. I do yeah. like those, and it's some so dogs simple. don't tolerate it, but. I don't know. See, I think dogs tolerate that better than they tolerate the one in their nose. Yeah, I think it, I think they don't tolerate either one of them. But yeah, I do think that right. they tolerate the little, I call it the, the bowl. But have you one. ever had one? Like, no. the oxygen's so dry. It just like when it, oh, it's so dry. Like I feel for patients with it because. Yeah, it, well, and one thing that you can do to, to help mitigate the dryness is um using a bubbler um to kind of yeah. help flow that oxygen through but yeah so if you had it you've you've had one placed yeah um yeah Ugh. yeah Ooh. um either way it sucks because like i said it's so dry and like you know like those days where you wake up and like it's bit, like it all of a sudden got cold and then like so just like your nose is so you dry the nasty and it kind of hurts well, not even that. Like you think you have boogies, but you just, it's just dry and like, uh, just like sniffling, you go and like, you get a bloody nose cause it's so dry. It's so, ugh. oh, I hate it. I hate it. Not to mention like having something shoved up your nose, but like, yeah, the oxygen itself is just like blowing into your nose and it's just, ah, uh, it's like the worst chapped feeling ever. That sounds so, horrible. Anyway, Yay. that's my experience with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's your nasal cavity <laughs> um and then we have the sinus sinuses so it's funny because when i think of sinuses i always think of like the ones that are below the eyes 
Um, but you technically have four of them. You have them below the eyes and then above your eyes. Um, and the same for dogs and cats. Uh, so this is, <laughs> so when I think of sinuses, dogs and cats, I think of fungus. Yep. Fungus or tumors. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise they don't catch. Yeah, no, not really. I don't think we ever deal with sinuses unless there's fungus. Yeah. Or cancer. That's it. But even then, that's more of like a, I don't deal with the sinuses because we still refer to Anka. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I guess it's just for me, it's like just um, the the whole like uh, diagnosing part. Yeah. Yeah. Sinuses. We don't do that much. I, you know, it's... <laughs> This is so random. I wonder if they get like sinus headaches. I mean, I imagine that they would have to, because I think about the times that we've done done like trephinations into the sinuses, oh, and I'm like, yeah. God, that's gotta like. Not well, feel good. I, it definitely hurts because we send our kids home with fentanyl patches for that because we tried once yeah. without it and it did not go well. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about trephinations. Probably in the rhinoscopy episode. rhinoscopy episode. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have your pharynx. <laughs> yeah. And then so you, you go to your pharynx, which is located um, just behind the nasal cavity in the, in the mouth, um, the oral cavity, and above the esophagus and the larynx. So that's known in humans as the throat. I think of like, I just think post-nasal drip instantly when I think of the pharynx. <laughs> and I think of it as the kind of the, so the soft squishy part. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and when we're doing rhinos, that's kind of where we retroflex and look up. So we go past the, yeah, 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 the mouth and look up in the, you know, up there to see if there's anything past the nose, but not quite back of the Into throat. Into the throat. Yeah. 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 And then the larynx, I mean, the larynx is the larynx. That's where you see larpar and stuff. So it's located at the top of the trachea. And what it does is it helps protect the trachea from aspirating food or water. Normally, sometimes you swallow your spit and then you choke. Uh, <laughs> um, and then it also has the vocal folds um, known as the voice, back, voice box. And that structure is not functioning properly in pets with laryngeal paralysis. So um, that's why dogs with LARPAR, you'll hear that like raspy bark. It sounds like they've kind of been debarked and like... Yeah, depending on how bad it, that that whole yeah, yep. Yeah, parents will usually. I get clients complaining of like a change in their like snoring when they're sleeping, mm -hmm. and then a change in their bark before they actually have like a larpar emergency. Yeah, well, and larpar so laryngeal paralysis, um, because so the the larynx right those are those there's two laryngeal folds right so when we're so for us like when we're intubating for anesthesia right there's the two it's the annoying part it's the especially in cats yeah let's be real laryngeal <laughs> spasm where instead of like opening wide and then closing opening wide and closing like with cats it doesn't it like flutters <laughs> and is super annoying and you can't intubate very well um so those are kind of the i think of them as the doors into um the trachea and so when we have laryngeal paralysis, you can have one side versus the other. You can have a partial paralysis where they work, but not very well. Or you can have them where they're just flapping in the wind, doing whatever the hell they want um, at inappropriate times. And instead of protecting the trachea, 
stuff can just get through. So unfortunately dogs, cause I don't think I've ever seen a cat with laryngeal paralysis. Mm-mm. Yeah. I think it's just a dog thing. Um, but when, when dogs get it, that's why like they'll, they're more susceptible to things like aspiration pneumonia, Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, other issues because they're, they're not able to protect the lower airway anymore. Um, and so like there's procedures you can do to, to kind of help them breathe. Cause that's the other problem is not, does, not only does it not protect from things going in, but if you're trying to breathe and those don't open the way that they're supposed to, then an, a patient, a pet is going to be trying to breathe through a closed tube um, and they can't. And so that's when they get into that respiratory distress thing. So which is fun. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. So they can tie it back. Laryngeal tie back. If you've ever heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Emer- emergency laryngeal tie back. Those ones are fun. Ooh. I know. Well, and I was going to say, there's also the theory that dogs, the reason dogs will get laryngeal paralysis more often is because of their collars and how pulling constantly on that spot can actually cause mm-hmm. trauma and scarring and stuff like that and cause paralysis, which is part of the reason why laughs and goldens tend to have it because they're usually yanking on their neck leads, not caring. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that's, part of what they think can be responsible for it as well as just we don't know um age and that kind of stuff but yeah um so lower respiratory since you don't want to talk about the upper anymore (laughs) so again the lower respiratory starts at the trachea so we've gotten past our laryngeal flaps and now we're in the trachea and then we're going to go down to the smallest levels of the lungs called the alveoli so trachea is first Yes. Um, so the trachea, it's funny because it's also known as the windpipe. Everybody's like, oh, it's the windpipe. And it's like, yes, the trachea. Um, and so this allows the air to pass down from the upper respiratory through the neck into the chest and then into the lungs. Um, if, you know, we talk about tracheal collapse. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, it's a tube structure there's also cartilaginous rings, so cartilage that goes throughout the um, the trachea to help retain its round structure, especially when we're talking about um, it within the chest cavity, because remember the trachea is in the chest cavity, and when we're talking about the increased pressure, negative pressure, or positive pressure, depending on which way they're breathing, um, you know, if you think about a structure, if there's not a rigid mm, structure within the tube, it would just get big or flatten out with the pressure in the chest. So those, those rings are there to help maintain that shape so that there's no issues with air passing to and from, um, Mm -hmm. upper into the lungs. So, yeah. And it's the same thing with the collar thing though, too. It's thought that collars can cause that tracheal collapse because the cartilage mm-hmm. rings get worn out. Mm-hmm. Again, weakened. pulling on the leash or whatever. Yep. By the little Yorkies who like to yap, yap, yap. Yeah. 
Well, and, and so that's why like um, Yorkies and Palms and stuff like that, we do say harnesses for them, same sort of reason. We don't want to put undue pressure on, the, well, in their case, trachea, because uh-huh. they don't usually get laryngeal paralysis. I feel like their stuff is more trachea. Definitely. Um, and they, and they, they just genetically are more predisposed to tracheal issues than, than laryngeal issues. Um, but it's because what happens with them is that cartilage actually, instead of being nice and firm, kind of like, think about like your ear or your nose, because those are cartilage, right? If that were to become soft and flabby, then the trachea loses its shape, um, and can kind of flap and cause issues. Um, so that's the trachea. And again, the trachea is not where gas exchange is happening. The trachea is just a tube. Like think of it as a straw that moves from one place to another. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then when we talk about the bronch bronchioles, the bronchus, right? So then the trachea um, gets to the tracheal bifurcation, bronchial bifurcation. So this is where it starts to branch out. And so the bronchi is the first like tree trunk branches off of the trachea down into the lungs. And so we have the right and the left main stem bronchus. Those are going to be the widest parts. And those have cartilage that also support those structures. So this still has cartilage in it because they're still big and need to be supported. Um, so the bronchioles, the bronchioles are smaller, right? And they no longer have cartilage to support their tubular structure. So they actually, if you've ever done a bronchial uh, or bronchoscopy, you can actually see them opening and closing with um, breathing and pressures and stuff that uh, like air that you're putting in because there's no cartilage to keep them open. Um, whereas the bronchi still have cartilage. Um, so those, those are kind of the big difference. Um, then again, we are breaking down smaller and smaller, smaller and smaller. We have the alveolar ducts. So those are the teeny tiny little ducts between the bronchioles down to the alveolar sacs. So, um, makes me think of broccoli, you know, how like, (laughs) Oh my God, that's a really good analogy. Broccoli. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like the little pieces that keeps the little broccoli green parts on. Yeah. The little little green parts. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And then the alveolar sacs, this is like where a cluster of alveoli, and I think of these as grapes. So a little grape cluster. Mm-hmm. So the sacs have um, a bunch of the small alveoli. And remember the alveoli are the smallest part and they're one cell layer thick. So these are teeny tiny. You're, when you look at the lung, you're not gonna see them. You have to look under a microscope to be able to see them. Um, and this is where respiration, so gas exchange, because remember respiration is, is gas exchange. So you can have, um, oh my gosh. So you can have, how do I <laughs> want to say this? So there's cellular respiration and then there's, um, like lung respiration because remember 
we also have gas exchange down in your capillaries and the rest of your body, but mm-hmm. we have respiration that we think of for, for the sake of respiratory system. <laughs> so confusing. That happens at the alveoli. You know what? I know I bring this up a lot. No, you're good. But there's also a magic school bus episode on this. <laughs> Is there really? Nice. Yeah. You should about how, like they go into the lungs and you get into the alveoli and like how when blood passes by the alveoli, CO2 is exchanged and oxygen is brought in. Um, you seriously, okay, we need, to, we need to link to that. Cause I, did we link to right. it in the last one when we talked about yes. the magic school bus? Okay. And then we'll yes. also have to post it in our Facebook group because <laughs> why would we not post magic school bus in our Facebook group? I, magic school bus was ahead of its time when it came to like, when I was watching it as a kid, yeah. I was like, yeah, th- this is interesting. But yeah. now I'm like, no, it makes total sense. Because now every time we talk about something like this, I just picture the Magic School Bus episodes. Well, and I mean, honestly, like if you can break it down in a way to understand, who cares what it looks like? If Magic School Bus works for you, watch it, right? Yeah, so. exactly. But yeah, I mean, you breathe in the oxygen. It makes its way down to the alveoli. Your alveoli has such a thin layer that the oxygen is then transferred to your erythrocytes and like that's where your hemoglobin is. And then your mm-hmm. blood cells also transfer back the CO2 for you to exhale. Yeah. I'll have to find that episode because it was really, it was really good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I think, um, the YouTube video that we have posted on the website, I think it goes, mm-hmm. I think it goes into that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes watching it more than one way is, the best way to yeah. understand this. Now, the other thing too, when we think of, cause we're going to start talking about, um, like infections and issues in the next couple of episodes. But if you think about it, if the gas exchange happens in these teeny tiny sacks, these little bubbles that are one cell layer thick, if you've got mucus there, if you've got fluid, if you've got infection, fungus, whatever it is that is filling up these little alveoli, that's where the problem happens. And that's why, you know, it's such an issue if they're blocked off or they're not working properly because there's not a lot of room for error. So if the alveoli can't do what they're able to do because they're teeny tiny and like the smallest amount of mucus is covering them, well, that's a problem you know, or if they get damaged and they become, you know, instead of being able to be flexible, you know, like asthma or bronchitis, those kinds of things can really make it so it doesn't function properly. So it is important to understand how it works so that we can understand how things go wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause even just something as simple as inflammation and speaking as someone who has lung inflammation, like it does Mm -hmm. make it harder to oxygenate when your mm-hmm. alve- alveoli become inflamed and then you get fluid too from the inflammation and it just mm-hmm. feels weird uh, <laughs> but yeah yeah we've all we've all had those to... horrible chest colds or yeah you know like I, when i was a kid i had bronchitis i had like chronic bronchitis and it was just like it was horrible you feel like crap and and so us understanding what our patients are going through is, is kind of a big deal too so yeah, definitely. 
Um, and then we're going to talk about, so one of the biggest things for us in a clinic is understanding how to really differentiate between, first of all, between respiratory issues, and then also to understand the difference between upper versus lower respiratory. Um, obviously, like if you, mm, how do I want to say this? If you see the problem, right, you know, it's upper, you know, it's lower, that's fine. But sometimes the first thing that we do is our TPR, right? And so we're going to look at our patient, we're going to listen to them. And, and if they're having respiratory issues, we can usually hear some sort of change. Um, and so that's, you know, when we're auscultating or just looking at them, depends on how bad it is. Sometimes we can hear it just looking at the pet versus we're listening to them with a stethoscope. Um, so with upper respiratory, we kind of think of there's, there's usually two sounds that happen that are abnormal. Um, so there is, there was, it was the canine and feline practice, um, book that talked about the difference between Sturter and Strider, which I thought was, it was interesting because I think Jordan and I kind of both had that, well, it's inspiratory versus expiratory. Well, it mm -hmm. actually isn't, which my mind was kind of blown by this. So it, it doesn't have right? to do whether it's on intake or outtake of breath, like you breathe in, you breathe out, has nothing to do with whether it's Sturter or Strider, which annoys me because that's how I learned it. <laughs> So the difference is actually the sound that it makes. So sturder is more of a low pitched sound. And what that suggests is that there's tissue, so um, flabby or flaccid tissue that vibrates throughout the respiratory cycle. And this could be, again, inspiratory or expiratory. So think of this as like snoring or like I think of pugs and bulldogs. And so what happens is, you know, if it's not a pug or a bulldog, right? If it's something new that has just come up, we're going to be worried about a foreign body or um, cancer or something that has made tissue grow or, or get blocked. So that's more of that low pitched versus strider is more of a high pitched sound. Um, and this can be rigid tissues. So think of like a reed, like we think of reeds. So this is the upper respiratory, a foreign body. It could be paralysis, so laryngeal or tracheal paralysis, or excuse me, laryngeal paralysis or tracheal collapse. And that's more just like that high pitched sound. Um, and so that's strider and, and strider and sturder are all upper respiratory. So, um, and this, these are the ones that you can usually hear just looking at your patient, mm -hmm. right? So you look at them and you're like, Ooh, so it's the, the whistly through the nose or yeah. Versus the lower, the lower airway noises are more like your wheezes, your ronky and your crackles. So wheeze is more of like a high pitch asthma bronchoconstriction, which I've definitely have. And when I get it, I listen to myself because yeah. It's like a, it's like when you squeeze a toy and then like it sucks in the air back up and then just kind of does like, <laughs> like, well, yeah, very... and, it, and it could be an inspiration or expiration. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Sometimes um, it's both. Yeah. Just in my, like for me, 
and you can feel it it's weird yeah and you feel it in your chest right yeah versus like up in your nose or in my throat even like I don't feel it in my throat I feel it in my lungs yeah yeah and I just like definitely like I think of asthma when I think of that yeah like it's just this like your you know your airways it's they're just narrowed and so things going through there just can't move that they the way that they they need to there's no fun I was so nope. bad for patients when they're wheezing I don't know not as bad as I feel when people have like the ronky because that's like a lower pitch gurgly sound um and it just sounds wet it sounds yeah but I feel like with ronky which is which is spelled really weird right it's r-h-o-n-c-h-i mm-hmm. um but with ronky I feel like well, I guess it depends on, on how bad both of these are. Mm-hmm. I feel like wheezing is more panic inducing in a patient. Yeah. 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 Because like your narrow, your airways are narrowed. You can't breathe in or out. It's like, you're just struggling for it. Whereas ronky just, I, again, I guess it just depends on how bad it is. I feel like they tend to not panic as much with those. Yeah. Because that seems more of like a chronic thing. Like it's just that chronic inflammation i mean like it just seems i don't know i mean i guess wheezing can be that way too versus yeah. your crackles i feel like patients think that they're drowning yeah yeah because the crackles like yeah yeah sounds like you're breathing like into you know when you used to blow bubbles in your milk <laughs> <It's just> <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yes i think of it as, as rice krispies it's yeah. that weird popping sound and most of the times I don't, yeah, no, I don't hear this like outside of the body. Like I have to listen with a stethoscope. Yes. And the, what this is, it's, it's weird because sometimes you can feel it though. Yeah. Like you put your hands on a patient. Oh, I hate when you can feel it. Um, I feel so bad. Yeah. And it depends on kind of like you can have it in one part. This is why you listen to all the lung fields because Mm -hmm. you can hear it in one part versus another, especially like, um, uh, I think of like uh, pneumonia with these guys mm-hmm. where you listen and what happens is it's, it's the, the alveoli and the alveolar ducts, like the small airways that are like snapping open and closed. So it's mm-hmm. like they snap open and they make this popping sound, which is it's creepy. <laughs> and then you can also have the larger airways that do the same thing. And it's a coarser sound. It's, it's a, lower pitch but mm-hmm. more frequent versus the fine crackles or smaller air- airways is like a, a higher pitch but they're not as frequent it's 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 weird and I, I don't like crackles I hate when I hear crackles in my patient because I feel so bad for them mm-hmm. so I, did you did you learn about rails when you were in school r-a-l-e-s um, Yes. See, so it's funny because I like 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say because I learned them as rails, but I guess this is cons- so crackles were used to be considered rails. See, I learned it, it as like kind of one and the same. Okay. I guess rails maybe is an older term. Yeah, like I learned it as rails, but it was 
kind of defined as crack. Like it was one of those things where we could mm. say rails or crackles. Got it. That makes sense. And the other, oh, this is actually something. So on, um, yeah. So the VIN article that we linked to, they have this cool like infographic of mm-hmm. um, the different kinds of sounds and where they kind of originate from giving examples, what causes it. And also, so there's continuous sounds, so inspiratory and expiratory, and there's discontinuous, which means like they just kind of happen. And that's the inspiratory only, which is crackles, which I thought was, it was kind of interesting. I liked seeing the infographic. Yeah, definitely. So those are kind of how to, you know, upper versus lower airway differentials. And then the other thing to rule out is um, cardiogenic. So heart issues that are causing respiratory signs. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, again, you know, x-rays and full workup kind of thing. But so we're going to make sure it's not from the heart. The other thing, too, is to make sure we're not doing fluid overload, like transfusion overload kind of thing. So um, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of more the iatrogenic rule out. So the other part of respiratory system is going to be our diagnostics. Which I'll be a stickler on some of these diagnostics because three view radiographs need to happen. Especially, I mean, like it should happen anyway, but like, especially if you're concerned about respiratory stuff. Well, obviously radiographs are usually the first thing that we're doing, but. And I will, I will play devil's or not devil's advocate. I will also be a stickler on something here. Three view chest x-rays don't yes not three of you whole dog (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah um and and the reason is there for a reason yeah and the reason we do and so what we mean by three view it's usually it's a vd if you can't do vd and you have to do a dv that's fine but you want a right lateral and a left lateral as well because things look different and we want to make sure that we're getting all the views um of our patient yeah because especially if it looks like there could be like a potential like mass or mm-hmm. mass like structure it's just easier for or a radiologist to too. really yeah yeah I mean it's just easier for a radiologist to tell us where specifically that is especially like I mean we'll get into it but if we're going to tap and do like a thoracosynthesis and mm-hmm. we need to know what we're poking where we're poking and a lot of times you can see it on VD but you you can get an idea versus if you have a right and left, you can really get a clearer picture. Yeah. Well, and in like, we do three view chest x-rays, mm-hmm. especially for our consults. Sometimes like if our clients are having a hard time with money and we do follow-up x-rays, sometimes mm-hmm. we'll do two views or sometimes we yeah. do three and only charge for two. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, but three views always the first set of x-rays because and that should be i mean that should just be kind of across the board like say we have a splenic tumor and we're doing a met check we do three view chest films like always so yeah and i i feel like that was really a specialty medicine thing though so i think yeah the the chest x-rays i mean i think in general practice i think i did two view more than i did three view definitely Um, but three view is definitely considered the gold standard definitely Uh, yeah. And then CT scans always nice too. Sometimes like with our CT rhinos, we'll do like a CT scan of their head, but we'll try to include their chest too. If we want to rule out Mets or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially if we're already there. Yeah. Um, so CT scan's nice because you can really get all the all the views on your CT scan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously CT scan's not like the first thing we jump to. No, no. And then ultrasound is useful, except for not as useful for the chest cavity because air mm-hmm. obstructs ultrasound view. Yeah. Um, but so if you have like do it for um, fluid checks. I was going to say fluid checks, thoracocentesis, and when you've got, mm-hmm. yeah, so an ultrasound. Sometimes, but well, they're not as great for air stuff. No. And so we can see, so a lot of times we'll use it in conjunction with x-rays. So we'll take x-rays mm-hmm. and we'll kind of see what, like a specific area we need to look at, like for a, like a possible lung lobe torsion or just or a consolidated lung lobe or, that we yeah. want to aspirate. Yeah. Um, or fluid pocket that we want to try to aspirate. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't, the only time we'll do ultrasound is again, like if people are financially constrained and we just put the probe on, we're like, yeah, you have a chest full of fluid. Here's what we recommend. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the procedures are, there's a lot of procedures. <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with some of these procedures. I love rhinoscopy. I so that's where we stick a scope up the nose. Them. <laughs> See, that's how I feel about the others. <laughs> See, I, I love, hate them. I feel like rhinos, if you find something, great. Mm-hmm. If you don't find it, because see, okay, so this is why I have a love, hate with them because I have so many freaking foxtail hunts. Okay, well, yeah. That's- <laughs> that I hate them because foxtails love to hide all over the turbinates. And yeah, so I have a love, hate relationship with the rhinoscopy. <laughs> That and they bleed a lot. We we usually find what we're looking for when we do a rhinoscopy. Yeah. So versus like a bronchoscopy. Well, let's start with a laryngoscopy. Those aren't that bad because that's typically like a really quick procedure. And let's be mm-hmm. real, like we don't necessarily need the scope to see if yeah the we usually larynx is working. I was say we usually <laughs> like, do that as we're getting ready to do a bronch. Yeah. Like sometimes exactly. we'll be like, oh, we're going to do a laryngeal exam before we do our bronch. We'll, sometimes we'll do it with like, so our surgeon will do a laryngeal exam for mm-hmm. us because he's the surgeon. And he's so we'll just kind of slide. Our yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so we'll do a laryngoscopy and just kind of slide the scope past the larynx just to make sure that there's nothing in the trachea that could mm-hmm. be causing issues. But most of the time it's not we can see that the larynx isn't working without the scope versus the bronchoscopy. Again, I love hate relationship because you can't intubate these patients, by the way. Well, you can intubate a rhinoscopy. Um, so the unless bronch- it's a huge dog, I was going to say our, our scope fits into a size seven or larger. Yes. Mine too. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, I think mine fit into an, well, it has to be a seven, but it's a snug fit in a seven. I want to say. Yeah, it's it's tough in a seven. Versus an eight and up is not a problem. So these patients can't be necessarily intubated and have gas flowing. <clears throat> but sometimes we'll pass like a red rubber down like next to it just to have the oxygen flow into the trachea. See, we um we pass the oxygen through our scope. Oh, that's a good idea. We yeah. So that. we um so we have, it's really funny. We have a one CC syringe that's cut off. Like the, yeah, uh, the, the part where the pledger goes into that part's cut off. Yeah. And then it, and then we, up to the, yeah, hook, you like, we hook it up it to, to our, yeah. 
And then we yeah. we stick that into the bronch your biopsy channel. The biopsy channel. Yeah. Yeah. And then that way at least there's some ox- so the problem is oxygen's going in, but it can't come back out unless they're sucking. <laughs> but yep. they can get oxygen. <laughs> and also too, like you can't really use inhalant anesthetics. I mean, you can, but you're also like exposing the entire room to the inhalant. Yeah. So Um, we usually do either like a propofol boluses. Yeah. That's what we do. We've talked about CRIs, (laughs) but, but the procedures in theory, very quick, hopefully it should be very quick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so you shouldn't need to do a CRI. Hopefully you just need to do boluses. Which is tricky because you don't want them to have that respiratory depression because you want to still see them breathing to see like everything working properly. And coughing up schmoo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, especially if you're doing a wash. Oh God, washes. I don't like them. Which leads us into our special tests. (laughs) Yeah. And we'll, we'll go, we'll definitely go more in depth on bronch stuff when we're doing our infectious lower respiratory infectious stuff because uh we do this a lot for like pneumonia especially those pneumonias that i guess they're recurrent pneumonias we don't really Mm -hmm. do them for like a first time pneumonia unless it seems a little extreme (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it's usually the the pneumonias that we just can't clear them for some reason um like we've done the normal courses of antibiotics or you've done a long course and as soon as you're done it comes right back um, then mm-hmm. we usually do bronchoscopy for that, but we don't just, we don't we try not to jump to a bronch right away. Yeah. Unless we're worried about a foreign body. That's a whole other, it's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so some of these special tests include respiratory PCRs. We do these a lot when we're doing like a rhino on a cat, mm-hmm. um, just because cats usually have those weird respiratory Yeah, the, the ice, the conjunctival swabs and the pharyngeal swabs. Yep which don't count unless you get schmutz on them, by the way. Very true. And then your transtracheal wash where you're flushing saline into the trachea and aspirating it back. Same with the- Okay, but uh, the transtracheal wash creeps me out and we never do them. This is the one where you like go through the, like from the outside of the neck with a needle. I've never done one. Into the trachea and get your wash. No, thank you. (laughs) I've never even seen one and I'm like, that sounds horrible. No, thank you. Right. (laughs) Versus the bronchial alveolar lavage. Or a (laughs) BAL. Yeah. Yeah. I've done what? Two of those. You've only done two two. BALs? Yep. Holy moly. We do. We recommended a lot of them, but people are not on board. We do a lot of them. I mean, well, I wouldn't say a lot. Um, I think the last one I did, the dog was coughing up blood and like the lungs were nasty and we couldn't, he had a tumor in his lungs and we couldn't reach it with aspirating. And it was just like, dude, it was sketchy because we were pulling out like bloody fluid. Oh my God. And like, you could tell that the tissue is just so like diseased. It was like, oh, it seemed like it could just fall apart. So it was, yeah, it was, oh. No, we do... Ah, uh, I would say in our department, maybe one a month. Sometimes we'll have more That's frequent, crazy. but yeah, I, I don't, I have a love hate relationship with them because it takes you like a half an hour to an hour to get everything set up. <laughs> 
and the procedure is like 10 to 15 minutes and you're done and then it takes you a half an hour to an hour to get everything cleaned up and put away um so i have to monitor the patient after too yeah yeah um but basically those but the the good thing about either a transtracheal or a bal wash so basically what you're doing is you're injecting sterile saline down into the bronchioles and then you're aspirating that saline back. So if you have like a resistant infection or something like that, we can figure out what antibiotic they need to be on or do they need Mm -hmm. an antiviral or, you know, sometimes we can get cancer cells. Um, so that's, that's what the, the BAL is good for. So other special tests include biopsies or aspirates, um, or cytology and thoracocentesis where you're sticking a needle usually in something or biopsying something, but we don't biopsy surgery biopsies. Um, <laughs> Seriously, yeah, no. <laughs> to say for us, it's either surgery or oncology. We're like, okay, bye. It's a mess. Yeah, exactly. You guys have fun cutting into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that there are a lot of tech skills to utilize yeah. during a lot of these procedures, like monitoring SpO two. Um, we do a lot of oxygen trials. Just usually when patients are transferred to us, they're in oxygen, so it takes we try them out of oxygen and it takes the tech to monitor them solely to be sure that they're tolerating it well. And if they don't, then we know how to intubate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Intubation is key when dealing with a respiratory patient. Hopefully you don't have to use it, but it is key. Yeah. And then we do a lot of inhalers too. I do like doing my inhaler demonstrations with clients. Mm, Do you get, uh, do you use the, Aero dog and Aero cat. Yeah. 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 We use those. I mean, yeah. As best as we can. Some, some pets just don't tolerate it, but. No, definitely not. It's one of those things that like I tell clients, like, look, if it stresses your pet out more to do this, obviously it's defeating the purpose of it. Right. So we're not going to do this because your, your dog's now like coughing and hacking and losing its mind because it, we put something on its head, on yeah. its face. And then you have nebulization, which is super helpful when you do have your oxygen patients and they're in oxygen. You really mm-hmm. want to moisten up those lungs and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which technically you should do if you have a dog and what you should do it twice for every 24 hours or something like that. I don't know At what least. the actual breakdown is. I think we try to do it. It depends. And I think it also depends on how bad they are. Um, you know, yeah. we do it every four to six hours, try to mm-hmm. just, you know, get the secretions moistened, get them out. So doing the coupage, which there's a very specific way to do that um, to help kind of break up the stuff that's in there and get it up and out. And then like arterial blood gases is something that a tech can utilize as well. So mm-hmm. that would be an arterial poke. It's not just a normal blood draw. Um, and it takes a special way of handling the sample too, which I'm sure we'll get into in one of our episodes. Yeah. And it's not, I I was gonna say, I've only done a few of these. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, you're, you're poking an artery. (laughs) Um, so you need to be very careful about a a pressure wrap afterwards. This isn't just like, I'm going to hold it off and then I'm good. Like you need to make sure that they're not going to continue bleeding because of the, the pressure in that vessel that you just poked. So yeah, very, exactly. Very important. So as far as treatment and like communication, client communication, I think 
it's really specific to disease that we're dealing with. Um, so I don't think we really can get into it now, but we'll, we'll talk about it in the next couple of weeks. Cause a lot of it is similar for, um, types of diseases. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely talk more about treatment and client communication. I guess the biggest thing with client communication is whatever respiratory disease they have, um, you know, monitoring a respiration rate and effort at home is, is a big thing. So, um, you know, they can, um, you know, count respirations and then, you know, if you have some, so like I will use our journal for that where I tell them, Hey, at home, because they can monitor and, and write it down and, you know, they don't have to worry about keeping track of it anywhere else. So I, I have them put it in the journal and then bring it, especially like, you know, your, your pneumonia kids or anything like that. Yeah. It's the tip of the week. So we've decided that the tip of the week for this week, <laughs> we're going to go with the magic school bus episode that we'll uh, post about. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the resources really are big to understand how um, the respiratory system works, but <laughs> we're going to say the uh, magic school bus episode. So Jordan, now you really have to Dude, find I, it. I know I will find it because I love that episode. So it's definitely, it's definitely going to be up there. And now for the question of the week. Uh, so this week's question of the week, I guess, um, we'll just double check to see if there's any specific respiratory diseases that you would like to know more about. Um, so if you want to just let us know on our Facebook page, or again, you can email at us at podcast and internal medicine for vet techs. Um, Jordan would appreciate <laughs> some social interaction. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So if you can just let us know, you know, what, what disease is it that you really are interested in or you want to know more about anything else you can think of Jordan for now? I think that's it. Okay, cool. So next week we'll discuss an actual respiratory disease. So I think next week we're going to do some upper respiratory stuff. So we're going to do, um, nasal disease. So we're going to talk about all the stuff with like, you know, a rhinoscopy and the things you can find. All right. Fungus, tumors. Oh man. All the things. All the things. Warm oh, bodies. Respiratory or upper respiratory. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> Gotta love them. <laughs> but right. yeah, I mean, internal medicine, I, we do we do a ton of stuff with respiratory. I mean, that's kind of, I feel, I feel like we, it's a huge part of what we mm-hmm. do. Um, whether that's infectious or, you know, diagnosing the cancer or finding foreign bodies. I feel like respiratory really is kind of our, our big thing. So. All right. Well, I think that wraps this up. Yep. I think that is the end of this week. Um, Let us know if you have any questions, if there's anything you'd specifically like us to talk about. And we hope that everyone is staying um, nice and safe and healthy and, you know, wearing your PPE when dealing with anything respiratory. How's that? (laughs) Right. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast. 
If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.